Thank you, Ruth. If you'll turn in your Bible to Psalm 19, Psalm 19, let me encourage you, if you didn't bring your Bible with you today, there should be one in the pew or a chair around you. Just borrow that and open that and let God speak to your heart. Family Feud on TV, they asked 100 people, were surveyed. The top four reasons people do not read their Bible. I don't know if you're familiar with Family Feud, but we're going to play that game today. Top four reasons. Number four. Let's see what it is. Number four. It's boring. I forgot. I don't understand it. I'm too busy. Wow. Those are the four. We were going to do them one at a time, Robin, but you gave it to us all at once, and that's good enough. So there are the top four answers of why people don't read their Bible. It, yep, it's boring. I forgot. I don't understand it. I'm too busy. The title of my message this morning is, Do You Know How to Revive Your Soul? Now, we're looking at the new year, and people are always trying to think of things they need to improve. We all know we need to be better people. We all, we all strive to improve these. Did you know that you could revive your soul? Sometimes you just don't feel right, and you can't put a finger on it. What is it? You know you don't need to go to the doctor. You know you're not having a heart attack, but you don't feel right. And beloved, let me tell you, many times our problem is not with our body, but with our soul. Now listen to the theme as I read it to you. Our children need to see us maintaining our own personal relationship with Christ. They can spot hypocrisy faster than anyone. But if we truly love the Lord and His Word, they will notice our greatest legacy is the living faith that makes others want a Bible like ours. Because a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Look at that. A Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Americans revere the Bible. George Gallup Jr. said, they revere the Bible, but they don't read it. Isn't that amazing? This morning, I want to share with you some wonderful lessons. Now, look at your outline and look at point number one. Point number one, God's Word brings a goodness to our lives. God's Word brings goodness to our lives. Now I want you to look with me in Psalm 19 and we'll begin in verse 7. And the scripture says, the law of the Lord is perfect. And here it is, reviving the soul. The word continues, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, 
enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now, if you have your own Bible, you ought to underline or highlight these phrases. They go together. Notice, perfect, reviving the soul. Now, look later down in the verse. It says, sure, making wise the simple. You see, you see how the psalmist is writing. He begins by saying, perfect, reviving the soul. Then he says, sure, making wise the simple. Then drop down in verse 8. He says, right, rejoicing the heart. These phrases go together. Then in the same verse, he says, pure, enlightening the eyes. And then he says, fear of the Lord is clean. And then he drops down at the very end. He says, the rules of the Lord are, what does it say? True. Now, David uses these descriptions. There's six of them here to explain the worth and the power of God's word. He begins with that word perfect or perfection. Here it speaks of wholeness. It has lost nothing. It is perfect. Within God's word, we find everything that we need to know about who God is and who we are. It tells us about the devastating effects of our sin and the perfect sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It tells us all we need to know about eternity and about how we can come to be in fellowship with God. It is complete. We don't need another testimony, as the Mormons would try to tell us. We don't need to water it down, as the liberals would try to tell us. God's word is perfect. And notice it says, perfect, reviving the soul. God's word touches our soul. The word restore in the Hebrew can mean to be revive, revive or restore. But it can also mean this word restore as in repent and be converted. And so the NIV or the New King James translates the verse, listen to this. The law of the, of the Lord is perfect, listen to this, converting the soul. Do you hear that translation? Now the second way that David describes the word of God is he says it's sure. He said the testimony of the Lord is sure, and this is in verse 7, making wise the simple. Now praise God that simple people can be wise, right? Now I don't know about you, but I want wisdom. I need wisdom. I need the Lord to help me with decisions. I ask him to speak to me in the evening when I lay down, when I have to make a decision. This week, I, I got an email on Monday. And it was one of these emails that you just don't respond right at the moment. And so I went home Monday night, and I talked to my wife, because she's wise, and she gives me great insight. And let me tell you, when you marry someone, you want to marry up and not down. Amen. I feel sorry for her. She married down. But, but I talked with her and I laid down that night. And I, I, the last thing I said 
not to her, but to the Lord as I lay down. I said, Lord, I have to make a decision tomorrow, and I have to respond to this email. Give me wisdom in what to say. Well, during the night, I don't sleep very well. Part of my PTSD and being in combat is I wake up all the time. I wake up every two hours just to see if I'm safe. You know, I used to get up and walk through the house and check all the doors, look out the window to see if anybody's in the car. I don't know why I would do that, but that's just part of it. Now I don't do that. I pray for everybody. I pray for you all night long. And sometime during that night, God gave me the solution that I was seeking. So when I came in on Tuesday, I wrote this email that I was struggling with, and I sent it to the Lord. Praise God that simple people can be wise. That simple people can be wise. Next we see that he uses the word right. This is a third. A precept is a directive which, if followed, will lead one to a goal of faithful living. It carries with it the idea of orders or directions, like being in the military. It's like following your map, a road map. And the precepts of God are right, and notice it says, rejoicing the heart. That's found in verse 8. They're right, and it causes the heart to rejoice. Now, the NIV translates that verse as pure. And it means the idea of light. And so the NIV translates it this way. Listen to this. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Now, this is keeping with Psalm 119, 105, which says, Your word is a lamp to my feet. And a light to my path. In Proverbs 6.23, the scripture says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light. Now, I've given you these verses. They're on your outline. But let me encourage you to go throughout the week and look at these verses and make sure that I am reading you the right thing. Now, after pure, David uses the word clean in verse 9. Look at verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean. And then notice he adds, enduring forever. In 1 Peter chapter 1, don't turn there, let me read it to you. In verse 24 it says, All flesh is like grass, and all glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But listen to this. The word of the Lord is endures forever it endures forever you see this purifying effect of God's word is that it shows us how to be in right relationship with God and that relationship is something which endures forever now the sixth word he uses is the word true look at verse 9 and the second uh, half of verse 9 it says the rules of the Lord are, what does it say, beloved? True. They're true and righteous altogether. The word rules means judgment. And here it speaks that God says 
this is what you ought to do. God's word may seem restrictive, but God never intended to harm any of us. He rather knows what's important for us. Let me, I, I, I share this with, with people all the time. God doesn't want you to live a life of no fun. I have young people telling me, you know, I, I'm just not ready to be a Christian because it's no fun to be a Christian. Let me tell you, what you call fun will only bring pain and misery. Okay? He tells you not to have sex before marriage for a reason. So you can enjoy it with the one you've chosen to be your spouse for eternity. Because, you know, we don't just cease to exist when we die. Okay? Now, Lynn and I are getting older. When we were first married, we never talked about spending time in heaven together. But now that we get older, we talk about what will it be like to be in heaven together. I'm, you know, I know in the Bible it says that we're not married in heaven, but I'm going to spend a lot of time with her because I like her. All right? And not only do I like her, I enjoy being with her, and I have a family. And this week, I even had a dream about her mother and her aunt, who are the best cooks in the world, who taught me how to cook. And they're in heaven. And I'm looking forward for an opportunity when we get to heaven that we can all be together. So when God tells you not to do something, it's for a reason. He wants you to enjoy sex. He wants you to enjoy things in life, but according to his word, not according to what the world says. Because when you do what the world says, you're going to have heartbreak. You're going to have misery. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be used. And one day you'll come to your senses and say, man, I wish I would have listened to God. And then you have to live with what you've done. Now, the Lord will forgive you. But the sad part of it, he forgives us, but we don't forget. And Satan is always reminding us of our many failures. Amen? He does these things because he wants to bless us. And if the world followed God's law, listen to this. You know, they take, they, they've taken God out of our school. They take God out of our courthouse. They've taken anything. The Ten Commandments can't be seen anymore. Let me tell you, if people followed God's law, there'd be no more violence. There would be no more greed. There'd be no more war. There'd be no more murder. There'd be no more hate. There'd be no more selfishness. There'd be no more rebellion. It's precisely because people choose to disregard God's law that we see that happening today. Now, the second lesson I want you to see, look at your outline, point number two. You need to cultivate a desire for God's word. Now look with me in 19 and look at verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. I've shared this with you, but when I was a young boy, my dad had this big Victoria, uh, Victrola record player. It was humongous. It's about as big as the stage here. And you'd put your record on there. It's, it's these vinyl records. They're coming back now. You know, I think everything comes back. So those polyester suits of mine will come back one day. Amen. I'll, I'll be hip then, won't I? And 
My dad had this whole, the whole Bible on record, and Alexander Scorby was the, the man reading the Bible. I still remember the sound of his voice. And every night, my dad, after dinner, would sit in his chair, and he'd sit in front of this big record player, and he'd have his Bible open, and he would read his Bible along with Alexander Scorby. And I remember as a little boy climbing up in his lap and pretending that I was reading. I couldn't read. I was only 19 years old, you know. <laughs> I couldn't read, but I wanted to read, you know. And I, I pretended that I was reading with my dad every night, every night. I tell you this all the time. When Lynn and I grew up, we were in a, a youth group with a lot of young people. Many of them dedicated their life to serve the Lord. They're not serving the Lord today. And it's not because I'm so successful. You all know I'm a wreck. But I tell you the difference, I read my Bible every day. You see, I learned from my dad how important the Bible was. It became sweet to me. It became like gold to me. It became important to me. And I want you to notice that David talks about the desirability or the value of God's word. And he uses two expressions. He said, one, it's, like, it's better than gold or wealth. And then he says, it's better than, than, than sweet honey. Now, you just picture your favorite food. God is better than that. All right? The Bible is God's word. And if we are in love with God, then his word is precious to us. It's like gold. It's sweet to us. It's like honey. Karen Dubin said this. She said, instill in your children a habit of turning to the scripture to answer questions. It will serve as a guidebook for life. Isn't that something? Your children ask you, well, mom, dad, what should I do? And you think, well, let's open the Bible and see what God says. What a novel idea. One of the things that Donald, Pastor Donald Boyd, is doing with our youth is he's opening the word of God and he's showing them what God says about some of the questions that they are facing in their life. George Washington said this, George Washington said, it's impossible to rightly govern the world without God in the Bible. I believe it. You see what's happened to our country? They took God in the Bible out. Now, hold your place here in Psalm 19 and turn to Psalm 119. And let's look at verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to drop down in verse 9 and begin through 9 through 14. Let's look at verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. I don't know about you, but I need every blessing I can get. Amen? So if you want to be blessed, be blameless. Notice this. Blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Isn't that something? Look at verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimony. Do you see the theme going on here? You want to be blessed? Keep his testimony. Blessed are those who keep his testimony, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do not do wrong, but walk in his ways. Now drop down to verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Now this is the question. How can we live pure? By guarding it according to your word. Look at verse 10. 
With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Look at verse 14. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. Wow. Now the third lesson I want you to see is this. Point number three on your outline. God's word warns us and it rewards us. Point number three. God's word warns us and it rewards us. Now look with me back in Psalm 19 and we're going to look at verse 11 through 14. In verse 11, David writes, Moreover, by them is your servant what? Warned. In keeping them, there is great what? Reward. You ought to highlight these words. You're warned and you're rewarded. Verse 12, who can discern his errors? There's a question mark there. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of, of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now David tells us that God's word warns us, and in that warning is a great reward. David knows all about sin, and notice that he mentions two kinds of sin here. There's two kinds of sin that we as people face every day. He says there are two kinds. There are those that we do without knowing it. Do you know that you sin without knowing it? You do. A while back, I said something to someone, and I wasn't paying much attention, and I just said something, and I didn't think it was anything of bad or anything. Turns out, this person got mad at me. Have y'all ever done that? No, no. They got mad at me, wouldn't talk to me. I'd say good morning, and they'd just look the other way, walk the other way. And I, say, I told Lynn, I said, so-and-so's mad at me. I have no idea what I've done. She said, well, why don't you ask him? I said, no. I, I said, I, you know, I, just, I don't play these games. When they finally uh, want to talk to me about it, they'll tell me what I've done. All right? Well, it was the very next day they come in and they told me how horrible I'd, I'd been. I had said something, and they took what I said as meaning as I was belittling them or discounting their service for the Lord. But that's not what I meant at all. That's not what I was trying to say. And so when I explained to them, and they told me, they said, now this is twice you've done this to me. I said, oh my, I should get an award. Because I've known you for over five years. And only two times in five years I've hurt your feelings. And they started laughing. I said, come on, give me a break. I, I said, look, you go, you go to work in any place or you go anywhere and you won't be there two days and you'll be offended two, more than two times. I said, I didn't mean to offend you. Let me tell you what I was trying to say. And so I, I explained to them, but you know what? I didn't mean to hurt them. And what I was said was not defensive when I explained it to them. And by the way, they, they're okay, but they're not mad at me anymore. And I'm still at two, okay? 
and we've moved on, all right? But there are things we do, we sin, and we hurt somebody. I didn't mean to hurt them. And I actually want you to know I apologize for hurting them and ask them to forgive me. And here's what he's saying. There's things that we do inadvertently that we don't even know, and we want God to, 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 to warn us about it and then convict us, and then eventually we want to make it right. In 2015, the owners of a restaurant called Build-A-Burger in New York, they called the police department because someone had stolen their cash register. The officers were checking and they found a trail leading from the restaurant of macaroni salad. Hansel and Gretel couldn't leave a better trail. And within a short time, three men were found eating a big bowl of macaroni salad from the burger place with the stolen money in the register. It seems that they robbed it and were hungry, and so they just took it, and as they were walking, they weren't paying much attention, and the police just followed the trail of macaroni salad. Beloved, let me tell you this. Whenever we sin, we leave a trail of crumbs. You need to understand that. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Hold your place here in Psalm 19. And look at Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians 6 verse 7, Apostle Paul says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. When I was a young boy, a young man, I knew the word of God. I knew this verse. I knew that God said, if you do it, you're going to reap it. But you know what I said to myself? I said, oh, that, that doesn't mean me. That's how young people think. That's everybody else. That doesn't mean me. Do you know what I found out? It meant me. That's right. God's word means me. It means all of us. Yeah, I was a mess. And I found out very quickly, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he will also reap. Now, turn with me to Proverbs 28. Solomon, wisest man in the world. Solomon 28, and look at verse 13. Look what Solomon says about this issue. In verse 13, he says, Whoever covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes will have, what does it say, beloved? Mercy. Look at it. Mercy. Now let's look at this. When you sin, you're embarrassed about it. You don't want other people to know, amen? So what do you do? You try to cover it up. You try to hide it. We're all experts of that. We cover it up. And notice what he says. He who covers his sin will not, what? Prosper. But notice how your response should be to sin. But whoever confesses and what? Forsakes. There's two things here. You've got to confess it and you've got to forsake it. Them, it says, them will have mercy. And forsake them will have mercy. 
As we devil into God's word, as we get into it, he begins to speak to us. He tells us about sin. David said there's those sins that we don't know that we're doing. And then he says there's sins that we love to do. Look at verse 13. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. You see, the Bible teaches in the book of Hebrews that there are besetting sins. In other words, everybody in this room, if you're alive, there is some sins that you enjoy that Satan can use to cause you to stumble. And other sins you're not interested in all. Let me tell you, I am not interested in all in being a drunkard. Doesn't invite me, doesn't entice me. I don't want to be vomiting all over myself. I don't want to act like a fool. I can do that by myself, amen? I have no problem with the issue of drunken bums. I have no desire for that. But there are other sins that I like, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's none of your business. But you have the same ones. That's why you see these people that are drug addicts. They can be great people, and they, you know what? They don't curse. Cursing means nothing to them, but they have problems with drugs. You see? Sex is the same thing. There are all these sins that entice. Now look with me in Hebrews chapter 4, and look at verse 12. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, the Word of God it talks about the Word of God. It says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Notice that it gets into the soul and spirit. Of joints and marrow, the body, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Alright? Look at verse 12 of Psalm 119 again. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from the hidden sin. Those are the sins we didn't even know we committed. Keep back, in verse 13, your servant also from presumptuous sin, sins we love, sins we do all the time. David says, let these sins not have dominion over me. Do you see that? Don't let the sin be in charge of you. You need to be in charge. You need to stand up. Ask God to give you the strength to resist these sins. And how do you do it? You use the Word of God. Hebrews 4, it says the Word of God is active, sharper. You use the Word of God to destroy these sins. This week as I was studying this passage, it's a wonderful passage, I read a story about a preacher who would go and preach on the street corners. That, when I grew up, that's what we would do. When we were in preacher boy school, we'd just go down the street and we'd take a soapbox, set it up, and we'd practice preaching. Nowadays, if you do that, you get shot, killed, might get run over. You don't see a lot of that anymore. But this preacher would go out every once in a while. He'd stand on the street corner and preach to anyone who would listen. And a man approached him who looked like he had lived on the street forever. The pastor said, can I help you? The man said, oh, well, I think you can. 
And he said, well, would you like me to tell you about Jesus? And the man said, no. Would you like me to pray for you? Pray with you? No. If you don't want me to tell you about Jesus and you don't want me to pray for you, how can I help you? And so this dirty, filthy man said, you can give me your Bible. Well, the pastor said, well, why would you want my Bible if you have no interest in knowing more about Jesus? This dirty, filthy man said, I noticed that the pages of your Bible are very thin. I can use them to roll my my joints and my cigarettes. Remember I told you that simple people can be wise? God spoke to this pastor. He looked at this man. He said, I'll give you the Bible if you agree to read every page before you smoke it. So they shook hands, and he gave the bum the Bible. The preacher thought he had seen the last of this man. Several months passed, and the preacher was on the street corner once again. And a man came up to him dressed in a three-piece suit. He said, you don't know me, do you? The pastor said, no, I've never seen you in my life. He said, yes, you have. I'm the man that you gave the Bible to about four months ago. The preacher couldn't believe his eyes. He said, what happened? Tell me what happened. This man said, well, I smoked Matthew. And then I smoked Mark. And then I smoked Luke. And then John smoked me. And I asked Jesus to be my Savior. You see... The Christian faith is based upon a single fact that God has revealed himself to mankind and that his special revelation, the Bible, is accurate. We learn this as children. Do you remember learning this? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's pray. Danny, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach to your people today. Lord, what a joy it is to open the Word of God. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never asked Jesus Christ to be their Savior, they're searching. Friend, if you're searching, and today as I preach this text, God is beginning to speak to your soul, drawing to your salvation. Let me just talk to you for a moment. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, the scripture says, For we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have to be perfect to go to heaven, and none of us are perfect. But that's not the end of it. You see, when Jesus was here, a man by the name of Nicodemus came to him and wanted to know how to be born again, how to enter the kingdom of God. And in John 3.16, Jesus said to Nicodemus, He said, Nicodemus, whoever believes in me should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're here today, God is speaking to you about having a relationship with him. Why don't you make that decision right now in the silence of your heart? Why don't you tell the Lord, Lord, I feel you moving in my heart today. The best I know how I want to 
confess my sin to you and I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then I want you to say something like this. Just say to him, God, please make me your child. Friend, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you make that decision today? Lord, I pray for all the Christians here today that we would understand the importance of reading our Bible every day. Every day. Lord, I pray that this year, 2020, that we would read the Word, we would start our day with You, we would end our day with You, and that the Word would come inside of us and it would teach us. And it would help us with the sins we do when we don't know we did them. And those sins that we struggle with every day. Lord, hear the prayers of your people as they confess to you and ask you to forgive them. And bless each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen.